1: you. <laughs>
2: Mavs Moneyball After Dark, this is Josh Bo, one of the many editors at MavsMoneyball.com. Coming to you with a disheartening edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark as the Mavericks drop Game 4 against the Utah Jazz, 100-99. The first round series between the Mavs and Jazz is now tied at 1. Obviously, as you can tell since I'm starting off the podcast, Kirk Henderson will not be joining us as he uh, needed a little bit of a personal day after he did the recap and was able to watch the game. So, Giving him a little bit of break on podcasting duties, he'll be back on Monday. But joining me, uh, one of my favorite uh, fill-in hosts, and I always love having him when he when he's able to join, Matthew Phillips. Matt, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing wonderful. And again, in honor of Kirk, we will add the hello friends to everyone that is listening. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, Kirk is not having a good time right now. I think he is. Uh, he is attempting to reclaim a hacked uh, Twitter account. Um, so. So we're going to let him uh, try to figure that out, and we're going to talk about this game, which unfortunately is a Mavericks playoff loss, which we haven't had to talk about in about uh, exactly a week. Uh, a week ago today uh, was game one. So it's been a little bit. Matthew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it to you. Uh, just what were your kind of, cause I've got some thoughts and and I've, I think there's probably some tangents we can go down, but I just wanted to kick it to you first and what were like the most pressing things from you, uh, from this game, uh,
3: just in terms of what you're thinking. Uh, the, the first thing is just how much Luka changes the offense, and I don't mean that to be one of the people that, oh, you know, the mats might be better without Luka, you gotta get like the hot take, all that, but specifically for this matchup, I'm not sure that Luka doesn't cause us some problems because of, specifically, the Jazz are fantastic at guarding pick and rolls. Like they guard pick and rolls incredibly well. I believe they were number one in the league uh, during the regular season. I know for most of the regular season they were number one in the league at defending the pick and roll. That is specifically Rudy Gobert's greatest strength. It is not just pure rim protection, but it's guarding pick and roll. Whereas without Luca, like I know that we talked about a lot during the fourth quarter of the last game, they they just ran ISOs. Like they just picked whichever of the terrible Jazz defensive guards they wanted ISOed them, and just took turns doing that. Whereas when Luca's there, Luca can ISO, obviously, but most of his game is at least going to revolve around ha- having a screen first, which brings another defender and causes it. just It plays into more of what the Jazz do well. And so because of that, it, it was always going to be a little bit of a struggle to get him involved in the game. But that being said, he played 34 minutes. He moved well. Uh, a lot of times we'll talk about when something happens, like if somebody gets hurt. Um, we'll say we, we won the battle but lost the war. I really feel like today was kind of an example of the Mats losing the battle but winning the war, and that they got him back in and integrated into the offense and all of that, and he seemed to move well even though they attacked him some defensively.
2: Yeah, yeah. Physically I think he looked about as good as you could have hoped. Uh I didn't really I mean by the third quarter, I wasn't even you know, when the game started, that was like kind of all I was thinking about was just Watching how Luca was moving, especially on the I think offensively, I think we knew he would probably be okay. It's the defensive end that I think a lot of us were curious about. like would Utah specifically attack him? Would they try to isolate him? And I think they did try to do that uh, throughout the game, maybe not consistently, but there were definitely some possessions where it was clear they were trying to get Luca onto uh, you know Jordan Clarkson or Donovan Mitchell or one of their guards and try to attack him. and it succeeded you know occasionally. I- but uh oh so go I- ahead.
3: Yeah, I didn't feel like he really struggled in ISO defense, yeah. but I felt like he really struggled in pick and roll defense. And I think part of that is just that he has, he's been out a little bit. I know he's been practicing the last couple of days, but he's been out. The Mavs have been so connected defensively so yes. far in these playoffs. And he was kind of a little bit like uh, just kind of on an island. It's kind of like everybody was switching but him. They were almost treating him like, you know, Nicole Jokic or somebody else who is a big that can't really switch. Whereas normally, even though he's kind of slower for a guard, he's still you know, much more mobile than your average, just big man. And so it just, it was a little weird. Like I said, I thought that they could attack him. They did a good job of attacking him in the pick and roll, but I thought in, in like isolation situations, he was fine. So I think that's more of a, just a scheme and practice and knocking the rush off. We'll we'll take care of that. For
2: sure. Uh, And I think you kind of hit some of what I think we're going to talk about now. You talked about how the offense changes and, Looking over the box score and kind of the game flow, you think about how the Mavericks in the first three games basically just never turned the ball over. Um, and what was it? Game three was when they had three turnovers, or maybe that was game two. I can't remember. Uh, but Jalen Brunson has basically had no turnovers in this entire series. He once again played 35 minutes, had zero turnovers. He's been remarkable. But with Luka in the mix, um, their turnovers are just going to go up because that's just kind of part of Luka's game. Uh, he had four turnovers, which is the most turnovers I think any Maverick starting guard or or lead guard or point guard, whoever, whatever you want to say it, has had in this series, and that changes things up a bit. I mean, I know Utah doesn't like to run, and they're not really gonna, you know, force the issue off a, off a loose ball, but it's still possessions you're losing that you weren't losing in the first three games that you kind of have to uh, now account for with Luca being back. Of course, you know he had. Uh, other contributions i mean he finished with 30 points on 21 shots 10 rebounds which i think the rebounding was big uh matthew you noticed that you thought rebounding was like low-key one of the biggest factors for him coming back and whenever he was on the floor it felt like the mavericks could handle themselves against the jazz
3: Um, until the end yeah yeah, like they were it was funny because i pointed out at one point i was like dallas is actually winning the rebounding battle this is one of the biggest things for luca and dallas ended up getting out rebounded 63 to 49 So it ended up being a huge rebounding edge as towards the end there. Gobert just got every rebound as I think he finished with, yeah, he finished with 15 rebounds. Um, And it's just, but for the most part, Luka is their best rebounder. There are some guards that get big rebounding numbers, but they just, it's a function of team and some other things. Luka is also the Mavericks' best contested rebounder. Like he's the best guy for that which is rare for a guard and so that's one of the hidden things that I think going forward helps is to have him because he can actually box people out unlike a lot of guards who get like athlete rebounds where they come flying in
0: yeah
2: and now I want to get to what I think is probably like the most hot topic from this game is the fourth quarter offense Maverick scored 18 points in the fourth quarter after scoring 39 in the third Um, pretty stark difference and drop off there uh, I think the Mavericks shot 33% in the fourth quarter as well. They were 6 of 18 from the floor. Um, 6 of uh yeah, 6 of 18 from the floor, 2 of 10 from 3. Um to be honest, I've, you know, just starting off, I feel like the Mavericks got away from what worked in games 2 and 3. I I went back and before we hopped on here Matthew, I went back and rewatched every single fourth quarter shot attempt. Uh the NBA box score was able to update in time. And the Mavericks attempted one shot against Donovan Mitchell in the fourth quarter. And it was a little short Jalen Brunson turnaround three-pointer that he missed. And I'm kind of flabbergasted that the Mavericks went away from something that was working so well for them. And it would be one thing if they were trying to do it and Utah was countering or Mitchell was improving and fighting over screens. You know, if it'd be one thing if they were trying and it didn't work, but they didn't even try it. I mean, Mitchell was, for the most part, of the fourth quarter – um, standing on the perimeter, you know, guarding air quotes during Finney Smith. And outside of that time when Brunson was able to get onto him and and tack him that one shot attempt, I mean, they really let Mitchell off the hook. He wasn't really doing much. Um, the fourth quarter was primarily Luca running pick and rolls with either Maxi, who then fouled out, or Dwight Powell, uh, directly against Rudy Gobert. And he was either going up against Boyan Bodanovich or Rudy Gobert. And when I think about the five jazz players that are on the floor in the fourth quarter, those are probably the last two. I think I would want to attack uh, considering the alternatives and I, you know, love Luca to death. Obviously I'm not a guy that's like, you know, the Mavs are better off without Luca or better off doing things differently or all that, you know, Luca is obviously the reason why the team is a, is where it's at from the regular season and they played inspired basketball without him, but I I can't help but be frustrated that Luca got a front row seat to those games, two and three wins. And the Mavericks offense just didn't do it. And like I said, it's one thing if they did, if they tried and failed, they didn't even try. And it was very frustrating to watch them try to win the game with one arm tied behind their back. That's kind of what it felt like.
3: Yeah. It's uh it, I like to use movie quotes. Uh, there's an <laughs> old wrestling movie that's that's kind of dumb. It's I forgot the name of it, but David Arquette's in it, and uh, in it, the guy that's training him says, "Always attack a man's strengths." And like the point is that people don't they don't expect you to attack their strengths, but that that's what the Mavs tried to do today. And there's a reason that that quote was weird because. It's a dumb thing to do. You you don't go at what people do best. And the two best defenders for the Jazz today were absolutely Bogdanovich and Rudy Gobert. And so what they've done, I think, I think part of this, like we talked about earlier in the season that one of the big things after the Porzingis trade was that the Mavs didn't have anybody with an ego that had to be satiated. And so they could just do whatever was working best, regardless. Like there was no, like if they needed to take Maxi off the floor, there's no Maxi's not gonna, you know, pout. If they need to take Dwight Powell for Dwight Powell's not gonna pout, even if he's been really good. And so with Luca back, the the offense is just going to run through Luca if he's in the game. That's just a fact of life. But I thought that they did show um there was once there's a couple times where they ran the screen roll, got the switch to where Gobert was on Luca, and then instead of Luca attacking, he got the ball to Jalen Brunson who just torched Royce O'Neal. Uh Brunson missed a layup. I think he made another one after that. But I, I like stuff like that where they do stuff where they get because you can't even though Luca is not what I would call like he's not a Steph Curry like knockdown shooter where you're like, oh you can't help people just aren't gonna help off of Luca because of who he is and he shot well lately. So I, I do like getting the switch if you're gonna get the switch of Gobert onto Luca and then Luca giving the ball up, that's one of the huge advantages of having the three point guards, is at that point they can then attack the other terrible jazz guards and but they just they, they didn't do that today.
2: And yeah, and it's just I don't know if it's if it's Luca just wanting to I mean, we've seen Luca do this in previous matchups with the Jazz. I mean, there was that one game in Utah uh, earlier this year where Luca just went one-on-one with Gobert like four or five straight possessions and uh did not come out on top and the and the Mavericks lost that game. And there's Luca definitely has like you know. I don't think he wants to take the "quote unquote" easy way out. I mean, I think he has a lot of pride, and I think he prides himself on being able to compete and be one of the best players on the floor and and beat the other team's best player. And that's commendable. Like I, you know, you can't knock a guy's mentality for wanting to be like that. But at a certain point, you know, you're in the playoffs, and and the and the margins are razor thin. And I'm just shocked that they just didn't try it at all and again i'm not in the huddle and i'm not asking questions after the game right now so i don't know if it's coaching staff directing luca or luca kind of doing what he wants to do knowing what we know about the mavericks coaching staff and and where they were last year in the playoffs and and how luca felt about the coaching staff and where they are now i'd have to assume that this is just this is what off the offense luca wanted to run as the mavericks are pretty hands-off with you know the play direction with Luca. Cause I mean, Jason Kidd has put a lot of trust in him for good reason. So again, it's yeah. just frustrating to, to see that go down and, you know, the Mavericks played so great in games two and three, and just to see them kind of ignore that playbook in the fourth quarter was, was really disappointing. Having said that uh, Dwight Powell missing two free throws in, in the final seconds, doesn't help uh, Luca fouling Donovan Mitchell on a putback also doesn't help immediately after he made that three. Uh I believe Reggie Bullock missed a wide open three. Dorian Finney Smith missed a wide open three in the fourth. So yes, yes. The, I have problems with the offense, but you know, there were there are a multitude of plays that happened in the fourth quarter that that burned them.
3: Yeah, with the shooting, I mean, some of it is just shooting. Shooting variance is a thing. I mean, it's not exciting, uh, you know, analysis to be like, hey, you know, they just missed shots today. But that that is part of the game. It's just they miss shots that they've been making. Like it they looked like they could not miss in game three. Like I mean, Green was hot, Bertans was hot, Cleaver was on fire. Like all they just they didn't miss, and then they missed today. And then another thing that I that I see is it is very clear what causes the Utah Jazz problems, and that is a five-out offense that has given them problems over a while now. Like, it's just – that is the thing. And the only way the mask can really play that is either if, if Cleaver's the three or – I mean, is the five, or if they're playing some weird no-big lineup. With that being said, Kleber has to re- do a better job of being self-aware and knowing the situation that he's in. He has long been he's he's a role player and you know sometimes it's a guy sometimes part of that role player is a defender and just giving six fouls. But right now he is the best big on the Dallas Mavericks. He has to play more and because of that there are going to be times where it might be better for him to give up a bucket than to foul. And I mean, there are lots of things. I understand fans complaining about rats on Twitter. I am one of those fans. And lots of times. But the <laughs> fact of the matter is, is that the whistle is what the whistle is. It is completely outside the Mavericks control. So there's no point of us analyzing the maps, talking about the whistle. It just, it is what it is. And the players have to do a better job of that. And Kleber, whether, whether you want to argue about some of the calls or not, the fact of the matter is he put himself in a position where he could not help the team. He only played 18 minutes. And with the Mavs, as thin as they are, Reggie Bullock had to play 45 minutes and 40 seconds again today. Like, they're, yeah. they're going to run that dude into the ground. He's in fantastic shape, clearly. But he, 46 minutes a night is just not sustainable.
2: No, and, and especially today, you know, it, you know, it wasn't a back-to-back, but playing an early afternoon game after one day of rest, that's a really difficult turnaround. And I think that was felt throughout the entire lineup. I mean, the shooting... If there was a game for the Mavericks to regress shooting the ball wise, it was going to be this one with the minutes just catching up to all these guys, I think. And the Mavericks missed a lot of good looks in the first half, uh, which, you know, hey, I know we like to talk about the final 40 seconds, but I mean, every possession kind of adds up over time. And and the team did not shoot the ball well in the first half at all. Uh, Bullock and Finney Smith kind of got going a little bit in the third quarter, which was nice. But you're right. These minutes are tough. And when you look at Finney Smith and Bullock, you know, the reason why they have to play so much is because, again, the bench outside of game three, the bench has just not really been there. Um, you know, Kleba came through in game two, but yeah, Josh Green and Bertans came through in game three. No one really came through uh, tonight. Dinwiddie, you may, is it yeah. now might be time to talk about Spencer Dinwiddie has not given the Mavericks anything in this series, and it finally kind of caught up
3: to them today. So I I think this is a really really bad matchup for Spencer. Like I, no. I he's been terrible. Like just it's weird because I keep listening to like national commentary and stuff, and they're like, "Dinwiddie and Brunson are killing the Jazz." Dinwiddie and Brunson are killing the Jazz. And I'm like, "Are are y'all watching the game? Are y'all watching the same thing?" I am Brunson <laughs> sure. And then when he's had moments, like he's clearly playing hard. I think one of the things that I have seen is that we have praised his relentlessness so much and everything, but. He he shot 16 free throws in the first game, and he had some definite foul grifting in there. And I think that when the refs went back and watched, like, there was kind of a, a going forward, like, hey, when he's creating a lot of the contact himself. And Gobert, for, for better or worse, is... He's Rudy Gobert. He's, I believe, a three-time defensive player of the year. He is a fantastic defender, and specifically, he is a fantastic defender at taking away what Spencer did, what he does best, which is forcing his way to the rim, and then either finishing over people that he can overpower or getting to the foul line. Gobert is fantastic at defending without fouling or getting called for fouls, however you want to argue it. And so, I do think this is a particularly bad matchup for Denwoody, but with that being said, there's also, there's been lots of, of just Really maddening plays. Like there's been things, like at times when they played and when they were small, he wasn't attacking. And then when Gobert was back in the game, he went back to attacking the rim. And I'm just like, that, <laughs> that that that's weird. Like it just, I I really think the point is, I think he's also he's pre in his head, he's making up his mind that he is going to get two feet in the paint specifically to get a three. And so a lot of times you're taught as a child, you know, don't jump to pass, which he's not so much jumping to pass, but he is making up his mind beforehand that he is going to pass. And then when he's getting there and there's not a pass there, he's just kind of stuck. And he just kind of, you know, bumbles into people and then throws his hand up. And if he ever gets a statue anywhere, it will absolutely be in the, the like shrug what happened emoji. Cause he always puts his hand, it's hilarious.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, I think something. I mean, uh, you know, we wrote about this on the site, uh, and but you know, it, before this series started, about how you know Dinwiddie with the Ma- with the Mavericks. So after the trade, was shooting you know like fifty, you know, over fifty percent on mid-rangeers, forty-eight percent on pull-up two-pointers, and we were like, you know, okay, well that's what he has. You know, he has to continue doing that in this series for him to be effective, because obviously, you know. You can't count on the three point shot with him historically. Uh, anything you get from him from three, you just consider a bonus. And then you know at the rim, you know his rim game is going to be negated a bit because of Gobert. And he has just refused to shoot two two point mid range two pointers, and it feels really bizarre to be like demanding that a player uh, start taking long twos. But like Dinwiddie has proven a little bit with his time in the Mavericks that that's a a capable shot for him, and he just doesn't doesn't want to do it and. Watching, and it's
3: a, yeah, yeah it's the shot. It's the shot you have to take against Gobert. Like yeah. if you are, if you are not a Dame Lir- Dame Lillard or Steph Curry who is going to pull up from three on pick and rolls, which Spencer Dinwiddie is not going to be that guy. Like he's yeah. not going to be a high volume three point shooter off the off the dribble. Then against Gobert, you have to be willing fifteen footers. It's just a fact of life because as we have seen, you're not going to be able to just run into Rudy Gobert and and go to the free throw line and i mean that there's that it's i mean that's really just the thing with him is you have to he has to be willing to take that shot and able to knock it down i think i, I still think the maz are going to advance i still feel really good about the rest of the series i think he goes six but i i think he'll help a lot more in the next series so i'm trying not to be too hard on him now even <laughs> though i do feel like he struggled a lot
2: yeah for sure and yeah i i think i'm with there too with everything we're saying you know think about all the things we're, were critiquing or saying the Mavericks could have done better. And at the end of the day, they only lost by one uh, on the road. So it's not like the Mavericks got exposed in this game. And again, like we're saying, we feel like it's a lot of just like they kind of let go of the rope a little bit and they just did, they kind of veered off the the, their game plan from the previous games. And despite all of that going wrong for them, you know, they, they, the jazz doubled them up at the free throw line in terms of attempts, basically, you know, the fourth quarter offense was just non-existent. They scored 18 points, all this, and the jazz only beat them by one on the road. So, so again, like, I think we're both in agreement. The Mavericks are going to win this series. I think, uh, Two more home games left. I think is is a really you know only having to win uh, two out of three, and you get two of those being home games for for the Mavericks. And the Mavericks have been really really good at home, uh, especially when the calendar turned to twenty twenty two. So I'm pretty confident in Game Five. Uh, this team just is a different animal uh, in Dallas right now, and Luca really feeds off the home crowd energy. So I'm feeling pretty good about the series moving forward. Because again, it, it is pretty crazy. We're talking about all this, and the only They only lost by one, and you think about how many open shots they missed and opportunities they had. Um, It felt like almost everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and they they still almost stole this game.
3: I I would go so far as to say that uh, this will obviously be listened to by a very large percentage of Mavericks fans. So I would say if you're a Mavericks fan and you have some – like huge desire to see a game in this specific series that you should make sure you get tickets to game five, because I don't believe there will be a game seven in Dallas. Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. I think give Luca, he's going to get another day to rest up. He's, he's got his legs back under him. And again, he wasn't even, I don't even want to say he was bad. He wasn't bad. Uh, Again, he just, I just think the way he ran the offense in the fourth quarter, I thought was just a little questionable, but at the end of the day, he still had 30, 10 uh, and four assists. And I think he created a lot of good shots that the Mavericks missed in the first half, which would have made a difference going down the stretch. They wouldn't have had to worry about, you know, Dwight Powell missing two free throws. So yeah, a discouraging loss, but I don't think, you know, obviously it's not time to pull the record or anything like that.
3: Yeah. The, the one other thing that I'm super proud of with the exception of the two Dwight Powell free throws with 19.8 left, um, what I have really noticed that I see is different from this series than the last couple of postseasons for the Mavericks is that the moment does not appear to be too big for anyone. Like we've had moments in the last few series where people have struggled and then you've seen it get into their head that they've struggled. Like for instance, you know, Nah, I, he's played so well in this series. I don't, I don't want to, you know, use this as an example necessarily, but Kleba struggled, especially the first one against the Clippers. And then, you know, Brunson struggled last year and all that. Like, even when guys struggle now, I just expect them to make a play later. Um, like we talked about Denwood, he's struggling uh, in game three, but then he had the dunk on Gobert and he made the big three at the end. That was the kill shot. Um, Brunson struggled a lot earlier, early today. And then he came back and finished strong. Uh, Dorian was terrible in the first half and then he had 11 points in the third quarter and made some shots. Uh, Bullock is just, he's in the game all the time so it kind of gets <laughs> lost. But yeah. because he's never on the bench, like he's really, I mean, it feels like he goes a while without doing it. Like, man, he's been on the floor and he hadn't done much, but then it's just, he's on the floor the whole time. So, it's right. overall, I just, I feel good about that there's really not anybody that I don't trust to make some kind of a positive play at some point during the game, no matter how much they've struggled. And that just feels like such a positive change from years past.
2: Yeah, and the Mavericks still did a decent job at running the Jazz off the three-point line. This was by far the most attempts they've had in this series. They shot 35 threes. Um, so that number crept up a little little higher than what the Mavericks have been limiting, but still, they still did an outstanding job defensively, like Jordan Clarkson, was really the only consistent guy hitting shots. So, and that was bound to, and he's been hitting shots all series. So, you know, they've still had a, their defensive game plan is still sound. The offensive game plan is still there as well when they want to do it. Um, it just didn't happen in the fourth quarter. So, again, you know, not baking on um, the Mavericks going 15 of 44 from three again. They should get a nice little boost from being at the home crowd. I'm assuming one bench guy is going to pop up, you know, bench players, role players usually play better at home. So it might've been a little bit uh, too high expectations to expect these role guys to just ball out two straight games in a tough road playoff environment. So, you know, getting him back at home game five should be, should do wonders. Like I expect at least like one or two players to at least pop off the bench where today literally none of them did. So again, I think, the Mavericks are still in a good place. That's what you know. Winning that first game in Utah does. You know they still have home court advantage for the series. They don't have to win in Utah again to win the series. So things look okay. Uh, I've kind of, I'm kind of got everything I wanted to get to. Anything else you wanted to point out before we head out, Matthew?
3: Uh, the only thing that I've got left is that I do feel the Jazz have been a little mucking it up the last couple of games, they and before asked. this. Before this game, I was terrified that it was gonna end up being that there's gonna end up being a fight at some point in the series and it was gonna be Dorian that was the Maverick that was involved in it and that he would be suspended for the remainder of the playoffs, which would be a death blow to the Mavericks playoff hopes. That being said, I am now convinced that if this happens and there ends up being a fight, that De- Davis Bertans is not the new Peja, he is the new Brian Cardinal. And if there ends up being any kind of uh, uh scuffle, that he will be the maverick that is involved in it. And uh if, if that needs to be happened, I would much rather him be the one that's suspended than Dorian.
2: Oh, I'm I'm with you there. Uh so yeah, he, all right. We'll go. Sorry, did you have one more point? No, nah, I'm just saying he is he
3: is he's <laughs> very funny. It it's just he's hilarious to watch. Like he just he does weird stuff and he is very uh outspoken and physical and he elbowed Jordan Clarkson in the face today and was shocked <laughs> that it was called a foul. So he just I, I think that he adds a level of physicality strangely that is interesting
2: yeah for sure well again mavericks lose to the utah jazz in game four 100 to 99 disappointing result but again it's now a best of three and the mavericks have two of those three at home. Game five will be in Dallas Monday. We'll be back with uh, the same coverage like always. Stick to the site throughout the weekend as we will sure to have a lot of reaction to this game and preparations for game five and adjustments the Mavericks need to make. Matthew, thanks again for joining me on a short notice. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Thanks for having me. Yep. Everyone take care. This is Mads Moneyball After Dark. Again, Dallas loses 199 game four to the Utah Jazz. Series tied at 2-2. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.